Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. Still here with James Smith. Hey. That's it. Just one of the... Thanks for having me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I just want to put it out there. Dude, listen... Um, uh, the other similarity that we have is uh, when I was 18 years old, I wanted to be a rugby player. It was like my whole dream, everything I wanted to do. And I think that when you grow up, if you play an instrument, you want to be a musician. If you sing, you want to be a singer. If you paint, you want to be an artist. You have these blueprints in your brain, right? And blueprints are dangerous because no one's blueprint really adds up to what it should be. And if it does, you're incredibly lucky. But most of the time it doesn't. And so when your blueprint fails, especially at a young age, you then... Um, slip into a space which is pretty upsetting i suppose you played a lot of rugby you wanted to be a rugby player that didn't come true was that upsetting for you it was in some respects but now looking back in hindsight it was the best single thing that could have happened to me yeah like uh <laughs> my rugby teammates used to joke around and call me a poor man's james haskell but now he might be called a poor man's james smith yeah, so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. sorry james but yeah. like um haskell would have <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, in some respects, like obviously James Haskell's accomplished a lot. And like, yeah. I was one of his, I still am a massive fan of his. Yeah. But yeah, so it was kind of like a blessing as well. But we spoke off air about you saying that you didn't feel like you were big enough to play. And a lot of the things that I'm reeling off in this podcast, I'll admit there's a concept called chauffeur knowledge where imagine you've got a nuclear physicist who uh, goes around the UK doing very complex talks on nuclear physics and his chauffeur that drives the car goes, mate, I've seen so many of your talks, I could take the talk. So the physicist says, okay, go on, you take the talk tonight. So the chauffeur goes up on stage and he's going through the talk and he's nailing it. Then someone puts their hand up and asks a really complex question on nuclear physics. So the chauffeur pauses for a second, laughs, points at the physicist in the crowd and go, that's such an easy question. Let me get my chauffeur to answer it. So a lot of what I'm talking about is not my knowledge. I am the chauffeur here. Of course. But like, so that's one thing to make clear. So like, I do feel like it's important that people understand that I'm not the the creator of these, you know, concepts. But the, I think it was Einstein said, standing on the shoulders of giants allows me to see further. Yeah. So getting to the point, this is the bit. That, I was literally about, to, it, it was like, I was trying to jump. I, I was literally, I was certain, keep going, keep going. Yeah, so there's something called the swimmer's body illusion. Yeah. Where in essence, uh, if you get a, a group of a hundred lads to play rugby, only maybe 10 will enjoy it. And people look at me and they go, oh, you're big and broad because you play rugby. And I say, no, I played rugby because I'm big and broad. When I did football, I wasn't agile enough. So I didn't like it. People would skin me and run off. I'm like, oh, this is shit sport. But when I played rugby and I ran at people and knocked them down, I was like, this is a good sport. When I did swimming, I wasn't very strong at swimming. So I didn't really enjoy it because the amount of effort it took me to get to the other end. But then people who had long torsos, long reach, uh, who weren't too heavy or didn't have the densest bones, they would get to the other end and beat everyone and go, I like this. So we don't pick our sports as much as our sports pick us. Mm. And whenever I see like a six foot three broad guy with a good shoulder to waist ratio and a bar, I'll nudge him and I'll be like, who'd you play rugby for? 
And if they say I don't, I'm like wasted. I said, do you know what I could do? you know what I could have done with that? <laughs> and like, just going to bars and do that to you. Fucking idiot. Like, me and <laughs> wasted. Me, me and my best mate, uh, Duran, we like uh, we we have no filter with this stuff. And like I'll be stood there and then I'll be like, you're a good looking bloke. Like I'll just tell guys I think they're good looking. I'm I'm straight, I haven't got a problem with that. And then I'll ask them about rugby or whatever, and I'll be like, wasted, wasted talent this. And they're like, yeah, good, good to meet you too. So imagine this is where we got the, the swimmer's body illusions. Let's say uh, the story goes, someone uh, wants to get in shape, they're a little bit out of shape. So they're like, oh, I might do long distance running. But they look at long distance runners and go, they look a bit skinny and a bit miserable. Cool. Oh, I might do bodybuilding. They look at bodybuilders and go, they're a bit too dense and they look a bit, bit, bit dull, you know? doesn't look like the thing for me. And they look at swimmers and go, yeah, that swimmer's physique is amazing. Like that's what I'm going to do. And they swim for a few months and then realize it's a fallacy. It's an illusion because swimmers don't look the way they do because they swim. They swim because of the way they look. So in the fitness industry, especially, there are some people, we all know them, that can live a life of an absolute record, but look like a men's health front cover model. Mm. So there are people that have to put a lot of effort into looking good, but there's also a lot of people that don't. And when those people that don't live amongst us, people go, you should become a PT. And they go, why? Because you're empathetic, you care, you're a good coach. No, you just look really good for minimal effort. So a lot of people on social media, fitness pages, they don't look the way they do because of what they preach. They preach what they preach because of the way they look. So then you realize like a lot of, you know, so when you that say is a fucking mind blown right there. Being your size will have a determining factor with with everything because if you don't have the attributes to succeed, it will affect your enjoyability and your success in the sport. Um so many things to unpick here. Yeah, you know on a two pound coin it says standing on the shoulders of giants. That was on the around the two two pound coin. And go that that chauffeur, um the idea of the chauffeur, what was it called? Chauffeur knowledge. Chauffeur knowledge is great. Um I, I completely agree. Listen, we we all um we all gain knowledge and then and then said in our own versions. There's a difference between regurgitating what you've learned and pretending it's yourself. And and I and I think that's totally wrong. What you're doing is not that in any way whatsoever. Um, I I also think which and I want to hear your thoughts on this is for, okay for me right when I was younger someone would pass me a rugby ball right and I would catch it and I would be good at it. If um, someone gave me a uh, you know, a, a paintbrush and I couldn't paint, I couldn't do that. So I'd give it up straight away. I never really pushed myself in lots of different areas. And then what happened was, is I had to go and do this dancing show, right? And um, uh, it was really hard to do, really hard. And at the beginning of the week, when I had to learn the cha-cha or the salsa, or whatever it was, I didn't even freaking know what I was doing. And I was like, I'm never going to get this, never going to get this, never going to get this. And then throughout the week, by Thursday, I was like, I've got it. And it made me realize that actually, if you really put your mind to stuff, you actually can do it. But a lot of people just fail at the first hurdle, so they give up. You do a lot of combat, so you do jujitsu. Jujitsu or combat sports are one of the only things in the entire world you have to start at the bottom. There's no shortcut. There's no way that you can pay your way to the top. There's no way that your family can help you. You have to start as a white belt and you have to work up to a black belt, right? And that's because, and then that must teach you um, that actually putting your mind to something, working really hard, make, can make you gain things. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think that jujitsu is such a, a integral part of so many people's like mental health. And I know you've rolled a couple of times. Yeah, I've rolled a couple of times. And Spencer trains. Yeah, uh, yeah Spenny's good, man. Spen is like. I, re I remember this. This was fucking hilarious. Me, me and I rolled together as well. Yeah, it was great. So like that, that's it. And I remember um, the first time I ever flew first class. I uh, went to Australia, got to Sydney. I was like, wow. 
I'm doing all right. But because I was a white belt, when I got to training, the white belts had to wipe the mats. So eight hours after I landed my first first class flight, I was there on my knees wiping people's sweat off the mats. And I was there and I, I quite enjoyed it. I was like, this is cool. And But now I joke at training, we'll be wiping the mats. I'll be like, don't get this on your story. <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. put this on there. Don't tag me in that guys. But um, yeah, like you say, it's suffering, it's, yeah. it's hard work. You're gonna, you're gonna suck. Um, I quite like the fact, so I've got my purple belt, but I know because I've got a large social media following, some people would think I was given it. And I actually sometimes make up in my mind, people talking shit about me because it gets me like good to go. And at my last competition, uh, Are you co compete as well. Yeah. Someone said to their uh, competitor, he's only good at Instagram. And my coach came over to tell me, oh. she was like, that's what their coach just said. So like, and it was fucking hard. I only beat him two nil, <laughs> but I won the comp. And I was like, I was, I was buzzing the facts because I, I can't wait. This isn't an arrogant thing. I can't wait for people to come in thinking I was just given my purple belt. Yeah. And then like, that's what I like to go. And sometimes uh, I relish in that. Or I can tell sometimes when I start rolling with someone, they're super aggressive. And I'm like, this you're gonna, person's going to pipe out any minute. This person's going to tell me at the end. Then they afterwards, they're like, yeah, man, love your podcast. And I'm like, that's why you fucked me up. That's why you <laughs> fucked me up. Like, uh, but no, I, it is one of those things where you do have to start at the bottom. And this competency hierarchy, I think there is some form of, some people are going to have speed and they're going to have coordination, whether that's environmental or, or genetic or hereditary. Um, I don't know. Malcolm Gladwell was the biggest uh, advocate of this 10,000 hours rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things that I like to remind people when- Outliers is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And again, so many people like to refute that with their own system. Like, no, it's natural talent. And I'm like, but you're overlooking hard work you're overlooking the fact that people might just about work to you, which is inherently fucking something I nearly got canceled for. But um, I always say to people, if they wanna understand the true nature of this relationship between competency failure and uh, becoming good at something, when we all learn to drive, right? Mm. I remember like getting in the car in Ascot, I'm 17, I'm with my dad and I'm like, dad, why the fuck are there three pedals? Like, and he's like, that's a clutch. I'm like, what the fuck is a clutch? Mm. I'm like, shouldn't it just be go and stop? He's like, no son, you got to press that before changing gear. I was like, I've been a passenger for 17 years. I never noticed the third motherfucker. And then when you first get in the car, you're literally there like clutch, accelerator first. And you're stalling, you're stalling. But with every time you stall, you're getting closer to pulling away. Mm. With every time you fail or get the wrong gear or grind it without putting the clutch in, you're actually getting one step closer to being competent. And then it's that passing your driving test, which is really when you get to that point of being able to tremendously accelerate the competence. Three months after you pass your test, you're like, I'm fucking pro. So people can accept that within the lives of their driving. But when you say to them, hey, martial arts, hey, I need you to suck for a few months, but then you'll mm. get good. And then there's gonna be a snowballing compounding effect of competency there on in. People aren't willing to do the, the struggle in the onset. Same with content and social media. People say, oh, how do you like, uh, how do you talk to camera? So well, I'm like, watch my first videos. They are awful. They are terrible. Mm. I, I didn't know how to edit. I didn't have a professional camera. I used to have to do Facebook lives. And people were so quick to go, oh, he's natural on a camera. I'm like, yeah, I was fucking shit for four years. Mm. And then you get that natural status afterwards. So yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things where people, at the, it's really a bad thing for them to overlook the fact that people, majority of people that are doing better probably practiced more. Oh mm. man. I, d I guess it's all about how you take those early fails. If you actually learn from them rather than go, well, I can't do it, I'm out. Well, confidence, I believe is your relationship with failure, not success. So if we imagine your most confident friend on a night out and he's going straight to the bar, Soho house, some hot chick, 
he probably or she is not concerned about the outcome of failure. They don't, it's like water off a duck's back. So when people are driven for success, they have this aura of confidence. But really, if you're okay to fail, that's fine. When I was at uni, I took a job doing door-to-door sales, working for NPower, selling gas and electric to people that had gas and electric. And I had to knock on a hundred doors a day on average to make a sale. So every time someone told me to fuck off or they thought I was there to check the meter, I was like, cool, that's one of the 99. It's taking me one step closer to the one that's a sale. So every with every failed attempt, again, I became a little bit better at my opening pitch. Hey, my name is James Smith from Empire. I'd love to see us, see you later. You know, like- Yeah, but James, that's resilient. That, that, that's hard sometimes. That's fucking unique, I would say. And it, yes, yes. But also, what, what am I really losing by failing here? There's something called a Pyrrhic victory. And a Pyrrhic victory is when victory is tantamount to defeat. And there's a picture of this if you Google it. If a, jo- if a dog jumps off a cliff to get a bird and dies in the process of biting the bird, that probably wasn't worth it. You know, If in a bid to go viral, you get cancelled, that's probably not worth it. That's a Pyrrhic victory. But when it comes to attempts or knocking on doors or all of these things, there's nothing Pyrrhic about it. You have nothing to lose. If anything, you're just sharpening the, the blade in which you have. The guy going up to the bar or the woman going up to a guy, with every interaction, they improve their competency. Now, asking or approaching a stranger I use because I believe that everything boils back to a pain point in life. I don't think people just want to fuck. I think people are lonely. I don't think people just want more money. I think people don't feel valued. I think that the pain points, I don't think that women want to drop a dress size. I think they want their husband to stop turning the light off when they fuck. So when people have these pain points in their life, I use them as a point. Now, you don't want to get too good at chatting up strangers because eventually you're going to want to get in a relationship and settle down. But with whatever it is in someone's life, whether it's public speaking, I had a girl in my inbox yesterday. She goes, how do you get good at public speaking? I said, we'll start in front of smaller crowds. And she goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, my first public speaking gig was to eight people in an office in Bracknell. And I said, but no one followed me then. And I said, even when I did my first theater, there was about 40 people. Two walked out and I dropped my first C-bomb. So like, no one just followed me when I was doing the smaller, smaller parts. So people just kind of arrive at your competence and think it's natural, but they didn't really see the struggle coming up to it. Dude, it's, yeah, it's what everyone always says. You look at the David Beckham goal against Greece or you look at the Johnny Wilkinson drop goal. Um, it, it's it's worked towards that moment, right? It's been decades and time and, and, and energy into it and failures along the way to get to that moment. And people see the result as the success, right? But actually they haven't seen the hard work that's happened before, without a doubt. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I want to talk about um, shortcutting in life. A lot of people always want to take they think that, okay, how, do I, how can I shortcut my way to a viral video? You said before that one of your videos got you a million views on, uh, a, million a million followers, 24 million views. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the swimmer's body illusion where I took a really ripped guy and I was like, look, he could have worked hard or he could be a genetic freak. And just to make people aware, because what we got, let's say one in a million people in the UK are genetic freaks. That's 70 people you could follow. 70, mm. just in the UK. If it was America, it'd be 230. That's one in a million. And that's being, you know, not even optimistic. That's a lot of people. Wait, just so your video that got 24 million views gave you a million followers. A million followers on TikTok. That is, but then people, that retention rate is massive. Nailed it, yeah, yeah nailed that one. People, it was a bit mad. I went, I posted it. I actually said to uh, my girlfriend at the time, I was like, should I post this? Is it shit? I didn't think it was a good video. I'm mm. like really pessimistic with all my content. And I come out of training and I go, I've got a million views, like in, in an hour. So, I, but the funny thing is my housemates that I lived with in Sydney, I come home and I'm like, guys. And they're like, if you're talking about TikTok, just shut the fuck up. 
And I'm like, but it's a million. They're like, we don't care. So my mates are still my mates from yeah, like yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. So I come home and I come down the stairs again. I'm like, but guys, I was going viral. They're like, fuck off. We don't, we don't give, care. We don't I, give a shit. I had no one to tell. I'm like waiting for my friends to wake up in the UK. <laughs> guys, wake up. <laughs> you'll never guess. Mum, dad, you'll, you'll never guess, never guess what I know. Yes. But then people go, oh, you went viral off of one video. I was right. like, I've been doing this nine years. Mm. Dude, okay. I always say to so many people, um, everyone who starts a podcast wants a million listeners. Everyone who does a TikTok video wants to get that viral view. Everyone who wants to do, I don't know, whatever it is, they want that instant fame straight away. Actually, that's the worst way to success because once you gain that, the only way is down. So actually, you don't want that viral as success at all. One, two, three people, 100 people listening to your podcast. That's 100 people listening to your podcast. Forget about the million. That's 100 people that are engaged with you. That is incredibly valuable. And so when they look at your um page they say he's a fucking viral hit oh my god how do you do that no it's fucking 10 years of understanding my audience knowing what worked understanding all those different things you built towards that and then you have the success hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even articulating words at someone's front doorstep at nine o'clock in the morning in Gloucester in November, fucking 2018, whatever it was. So like, no, it would have been way before that, 2011, whatever. So yeah, there's all that practice that comes up until that point. And people do get very thirsty for that. Oh, I want to go viral. I want to go viral. I wish my fucking bank account balance went viral after that video. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just got a lot, I got a lot of 15 year olds. I did get a discount Nando's the other day though. So big yeah, up, smashed it. Big up the lad in Nando's in... Uh, in Westfield. I just want to know this, um, just about shortcuts, as I said, a lot of people want to take shortcuts. And in training, I heard you speak about steroids and things like that. Um, and from my very limited knowledge of training, steroids feels like the shortcuts of success. What are your views on it? Yeah, I suppose I didn't answer your question before just quite right. The thing about shortcuts is it's never actually been easier to genuinely take good shortcuts, which is in the sense of we now have books, we now have audiobooks. We've never lived in a world where we've had more formats of content available to us. But that's not a shortcut. That's that's learning something and then applying it to whatever you're doing. Well, I think it can be used as a shortcut because it, imagine 20 years ago, there was so much dead time. You couldn't choose what was on TV. You couldn't choose what was in the newspaper on the commute in. So my dad didn't have that. But as my dad's son, I now have the opportunity to listen to audiobooks when I drive. I can pick any finite specific topic and become an expert on it in what would be considered dead time. Even going for a jog, human beings the last hundred years before the internet went for a jog, not listening to anything. Now we can learn about the intricacies of the universe whilst exercising. Like this is something that many humans before us haven't had. So I think there are good shortcuts like that. And people that don't read, I kind of say to them like, huh, someone put a, a, at least a year's worth of work into 250 pages. You could listen to that in, in one fucking day if you wanted. It's a seven hour audio book. It wouldn't be the best. I'm like, you don't want a year's worth of work in a day? Huh, cool, nice one. So then there's that, but then you have the other shortcuts. That's great advice. That's very, very good advice. And do you know what? I've, I've always had this like crippling fear that I've been ripping people off. And as a PT, I had it for my whole career because I was charging at one point 55, 60 pounds an hour, a pound a minute. 
And I know what you're thinking. Of course, cheaper than Sean's stuff. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Sean, <laughs> you motherfucker. Wait, are, you not getting, are you not getting it for free? No, obviously oh, not. I think, I think getting stuff for free is a really bad idea. I agree. I, I think it's I think it's the word. Yeah, bad for your mentality. Yeah. Bad for the other person. You're not getting what you you, you uh, anyone who tries to get things for free. I don't think it's a good idea. And I definitely could. And what and shouldn't we all could in our positions. I just don't do it. So I felt like this fraud because I, I would get sixty pound for the hour, and I'd think oh, I would not pay myself sixty pounds for my training session. It just I just wouldn't. I think we all struggle, especially say you get a brand deal or an offer for something, we get like management to negotiate it because we don't feel worthy of that money. We might lie about it or cover it up, but it's, especially for me, it's the truth. But then when I spent a year sub on a subject that I didn't know a lot about and I learned a lot and it was 10 pound and someone goes, oh no, I don't want to buy your book. I'm like, cool. It was a year's worth for a tenner. If you don't think that's worth it, then fuck off. You know, just, and it felt liberating to think that. So um, when it comes to shortcuts in life, I think books and content, things like that are amazing because Literally, you could become an expert on something in a year. I can give advice. Yeah, I, and someone goes, oh, it's pretty amazing. You wrote a book. I go, it's not. I go, uh, I was actually chatting to a, a guy that picked me up from the airport the other day. And he's a, he's a young, good looking guy. And I was like, what are you doing driving? I was like, you're, you're some athlete or something. I was like, I said to him, I was like, I was trying to get in his head. I was like, next time I see you, I want you to be a business owner or an athlete. I don't want you to be driving a car. I, it, it kind of like annoyed me a little bit and that's nothing against a driver. I just, yeah, yeah, it's just he was a very well-spoken, articulated, good looking guy. And I was like, see potential, right? I, I might fucking hire you. Yeah. And, um, and I was saying to him, I was talking about, you know, all of these things that we can like, you know, become experts in. I said, mate, all I did was distraction free, open my laptop and write for half an hour a day. I did it for a year. I said, that's not impressive. I go, if I put a gun to your head with a cup of coffee and a laptop and I said, find me something interesting on confidence, you'd fucking do it. The impressive part is that I actually did it for the whole year and believed I could do it. That's the only thing. Even the village idiot could write a pretty good book if you did it half an hour every day. And yeah. people, it's the belief thing as well. Like you say, someone uh, probably gets approached by an author and they probably shit themselves. Two of the most profound subjects in the book have come from a friend of mine called Chris Williamson, who hasn't even written a book himself. He's got one of the best podcasts. He's had some of the smartest guests. I had a, I had a video call with him. I'm like, stop getting in your own way and write the fucking book. I'd buy it. So then I could put it in my next book. So, uh, but yeah, with the shortcuts thing, that was a joke. Um, I, I, I think that's such a great attitude to look at stuff. And I love the way that you're describing shortcuts as those things. You're so right. Someone's seven years of work, you know, or, or a year of whatever it is, put into 250 pages and then you get to, to digest all of that. It is, it's a complete shortcut. I was in Dubai last year and I read a book on menopause. And I had three women swim up to the, where I sat at the swimming pool. And they were like, it's amazing to see a man read this book. And I'm not gonna go through menopause, but I'm reading a book because it could positively influence other people's lives. And I don't even think people think about that. I'm like, fuck me. If you read a business book, even if you're not an entrepreneur, you might have one idea that you give your kid that sets them up for life. There are so many of these little nuggets because selfishly in a brilliant way, all the author cares about is their book fucking selling. And a way a book sells is by helping people in their life. Every little nugget we've had today where you've gone has come from a book I've read and the person put it in there so I could have that experience. So when people leave books on shelves or audio books or whatever it is, I'm like, fucking hell, you're just leaving wisdom. And it's cool because I'll get it and I'll make the money out of it for the next 15 years. Any of you that don't read books, continue not reading them because I will. And then I'll blow your mind on podcasts and <laughs> use it for my own selfish status. I know, I know. 
Jay is now going to read menopause books out in public just just to get laid. Yeah, it's cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. From my yeah. fiance. Oh, well, yeah. Sorry, this one. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, dude, I I think that's um, yeah, I think that's pretty profound, and I and I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Steroids. Steroids. So um, I've spoken a lot about being insecure. I think if anyone, especially personal trainers, we're experts in being insecure. Like we made a profession out of it. I was so busy trying to love myself that I, I made a business. I was like, hey, you're insecure too. Let me show you what worked for me. That's what we do. <laughs> that is it at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, I'm training in the gym, going through that phase, I'm loving life. But I was like, all my mentors that were personal trainers that I learned from were jacked. And I was like, there's two things here. They're either incredibly knowledgeable or they're on steroids. And I was neither of those things. So I was like, can't get knowledgeable in 12 weeks, but I can get on steroids. So <laughs> one of the guys I used to play rugby with, put on like 40 kilograms of muscle. And I was like, hey, can I buy some steroids? He was like, yeah, sure. So what was concerning was a vial of testosterone costs less than a sub of protein. I was like, okay. And I was like, how do I, do I take tablets? He was like, you're probably better off injecting. So I was like, cool, man. <laughs> Why? He was like, it's safer. I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so then I said to him, where do I get the needles? He's like, go to Boots. And oh like all the, all the noodles that you kind of need, you go to Boots and you get like this, uh, the plunge is the same, but you get like a, a green and a blue. And one is to draw the testosterone oil, but then you yeah. swap because it's too thick. Then you have the other one to inject. Fuck. There was a couple of times I ran out of blues, so I had to inject with the green. <laughs> and that, yeah, it wasn't oh, nice. Ah. I've also got no- That's horrible. I've got no like spine mobility. So I'd have to get on my bed and like try and get round to my ass cheek, but I haven't got the mobility. And there were times Mom. where- Mom. Yeah. <laughs> but there were times that I was, I was 23, 24 at the time. I was in my parents and all of my mates, like as soon as I'd like go to rugby, they're like, you're on steroids. I'd be like, no, I'm not. They're like, you are. I'm like, how do you know? They're like, you're about two kilograms heavier. Your blood pressure. You've got red in the face. And your you're vein. fucking angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, I don't. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, I would genuinely snap at my mates all the time. But when I was on steroids and I snapped, they were like, that's the steroids. I was like, no, I'm always like this. But they yeah. would wind me up on purpose. So they would try and do it. And they'd like, like, Hulk. I'm like, stop, roid rage. <laughs> and, um, Did it make you feel good? Oh, amazing. That's the That's, that's the, the dangerous thing, right? Because, um, and John, you know there's a lot of it to do with an expectation effect. The second you know, the, it's not in your system for the first two weeks, but you feel like an animal for your first week. Even though from like a biological standpoint, it's probably not even in your system, you know that you're doing well. So, Subconscious kicks in. And yeah. You're like, okay. So um, that was always a bit interesting. There was periods, where, but the crazy thing is here, to anyone watching this, I was taking anabolic steroids when I didn't fully grasp what progressive overload was. I didn't fully grasp how to build muscle. I didn't fully grasp the three mechanisms of hypertrophy. I was taking clambuterol during a period of my life that I wasn't counting calories, where I wasn't hitting my protein target. I was a fucking idiot for this period. So, you know, a lot of people at home should be sighing because I was trying to build muscle whilst trying to cut weight. I was taking clambuterol whilst not tracking my food. And I remember one night, I've, I've, for whatever reason, I've just got a mental block trying to inject myself. And eventually I get the needle in my butt and it's a good few inches. And I get cramp in my hand from the clambuterol. And then my mum comes down to like talk to me and I've just got a needle sticking out my ass. I've got cramp in my hand, like the scary movie hand. <laughs> Let me use my strong hand, child. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in my life? But when you, when I was doing a 12 week cycle, when you start, you can't just come First off. been caught wanking. <laughs> yeah, it's literally yeah. generally worse. <laughs> yeah. And then again, I was like, what if they find my needles? Like they can yeah. be like, son, is this heroin? No, it's not what it looks like, mum, honestly. It's just anabolic steroids. You know? <laughs> got, got her in a headlock. Trust me, mum, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> but then, um, so like, uh, uh, very fortunate, because the guy who dealt for me, he made it very clear. He was like, you need post-psychotherapy. When you do this dose of 12 weeks afterwards, there is a 
uh, procedure you need to go through. So Good we, dude, man. Yeah, like um, because the PCT for a lot of people is more expensive than the testosterone. Mm. So I wanted to make sure I didn't develop breast tissue. I wanted to make sure a uh, gynecostia, which is very common, especially in young young guys at the moment, where mm. um, there's a process called aromatization where excess testosterone gets converted into estrogen. Mm. Um, there's like a myriad of things that can definitely go wrong. One of the struggles wow. when I was on was like, when do I stop? And then I'd be like, right, I've been training for an hour and a half, let's leave. And then I'd be like, I'll do a hundred dips before I leave. hundred dips. The drive and the aggression isn't that you want to fight people. I think the aggression part of steroids is misunderstood. The aggression was my alarm went off. I was like, let's go. Let's fucking do this. Yeah, work, let's go. Client says, can I train with you at 7 p.m.? Yeah, you can. Because I'm fucking conquer this day. I'll make this day my bitch. That's how you wow. feel all day. Like, so I'd eat whatever I want. I would lean up. My muscles would feel fuller. And it was great. And I did the 12 weeks and then I came off. And like when I came off, I would then have to take breast cancer drugs. I would have to take- Wow, uh, that's too much. Yeah, so you've got so, something called a Rimidex, which was to stop the breast tissue, but that yeah. kills your estrogen. You need estrogen to build muscle. And like, it was complex. You become like a chem lab. And then, and then you <laughs> start losing like it. Then, and then you start losing it. So it becomes addictive because you want, like the way you look and all that different things. So the two weeks coming off, my testosterone has to dip so my body can kind of mm. restart again. There you come down, your mood's a little bit lower, your aggression's a bit lower, your strength decreases, your muscle mass decreases, wow. you lose weight. And that's a pretty hard thing to go through. And although you definitely maintain a bit of the muscle mass, it kind of knocks you from a motivational standpoint. And I did a video the other day saying, uh, if you party and you take MDMA at raves and festivals, that's cool, like that's a good way to do it. It's a bit dangerous. And when you're on the dance floor, you feel so good, you go, I don't care if don't I care. shave. Yeah, if I shaved 10 years of my life, it was worth it. Mm. Tapping your friend, you're like, it's the best day of my life. But then if you do have a, a drug problem in that respect, you can avoid dance floors. But avoiding the gym is a tough one because that's a that's yeah. a integral nucleus of your life. If mm. you're at the point that you're taking steroids, you're at a point where the gym is something you're doing forever. So you can't just avoid the gym. Wow. And then about a month after, I'm like, ooh, one more cycle wouldn't hurt. And I got caught up in that maybe two or three cycles. And again, I wasn't massive because I wasn't taking stupid amounts. It, every time I've ever taken drugs, I'm, I'm a very sensible person. Mm. I've been very open about times I've taken cocaine, but even then I've said like, look, I'm not the guy that's like, let's finish the bag. I'm the guy that wakes up going, does anyone want this? I don't want to see this again, you know? Mm. And so I was quite sensible through those cycles, but then come the end of it, I was like, oh, this isn't sustainable long-term. And I was mm. very lucky that uh, I was actually taking the piss out of CrossFit and a girl that I know said, would you come to a session? And I loved it. And that for me was the time that I was like, I'm done. And when I came off the last time, all my friends were saying how much healthier I looked. They were like, your face looks leaner. Everything about you looks better. Uh, this physique looks much better. And it was so good that I shifted my uh, goals for success away from how I looked to how I performed. And jujitsu as well was a massive part of that because now if I gain 10 kilograms, it's no problem to me, my training partners or anything. If anything, people just don't want me to end up on top of them. They're mm. like, yeah, get that fucking holiday weight off of me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, no one cares. I haven't got to line up in a different order because I'm not lean. I don't feel shit about myself. Yeah. I don't spend hours each week looking in the mirror when I train. So I was very fortunate to get bumped off of that. And now I think that I'm kind of on a little bit of a, uh, uh, trying to make content for younger people, especially with like a big TikTok audience to say, hey, like, reach a genetic threshold or even better, get a proper fucking goal. Because mm. I don't think that Arnold Schwarzenegger was truly happy with the way he looked at Mr. Olympia when he won it. He probably would have come off and still said, yeah, my calves were shit. Yeah. So again, like you say about that goal, like the worst thing that people, I don't think they're ever gonna achieve it. And even if they do, 
let's say you get to your Olympia title or you get, and I know people that have won those titles and afterwards they're like, what the fuck was I doing? Mm. They're like, what was I doing? They're like, it doesn't pay well. I haven't got anything to show for it. Now they're like, I'm a business coach. I'm now setting up a life for my kids. So like I had a mushroom trip a couple of years ago where I was like, I hope I don't finish life and win the race of most money and most followers, but then lose out on the actual proper races, which mm. probably get into your next point. Because I was like, I talk about my mom and dad a lot. I'm very close with them. I was like, what would they prefer? Me coming home in a fucking Ferrari or me coming home with a family? Mm. Probably the same for you guys as well. Once you've got like a family and a, a, like a partner or whatever it is, once you're happy with that, it's very easy in this day and age to get caught up with the materialistic wins. Yeah. But there are some people that we probably all know that have won the materialistic race, but they're not happy. Honestly, dude, it, it, this has been a, um, like a real mind uh, blowing experience. It's been fucking awesome. Um, before we go, I just want to know your new book, How to Be Confident. Um, where can we go and get it? Anywhere. Amazon, WH Smith, Waterstones. And it's uh, out now. It's out now. Honestly, dude, and, and, and I, I would love you to come back on because I feel like we can just do a whole nother hour, two hour on just everything. Man, I'll be more than happy to come it, it's, it's been such a freaking great time. Um, and I'm annoyed we have to go. Uh, dude, we can also follow you on Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, everything like that. Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. I'm everywhere. You're freaking, yeah, but it's also just great. Like I said, I've been following you for a while and I think it's great content. You speak the truth. And then when you come on a podcast like this, you kind of want to understand what they're actually like. And the great thing is, is that you're exactly what you're like on social media, which is great. That's what you, you're authentic. And that's the best way to be in life. Um, I really appreciate it that you, you came on. Um, what we like to do at the end of the podcast, and I'm annoyed it's the end, is leave our listeners with something inspirational. Uh, Okay, so this is something I've been doing. This is a conversation I had with myself. What could you do starting today that you could do for 100 days? Then ask yourself, if you were to do that thing for 100 days, at the end of that 100 days, would it benefit your net position in whatever it is you're trying to do in life? If the answer is yes, why aren't you doing that thing and why can't you start that thing tomorrow? Jason, <laughs> thank you so much. Everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye! <laughs> Wow. It's, um, it's heavy. There's a lot of info right there. A lot of info just, right sorry, there. Just, just suiting and booting. I was just decompressing, just go. letting go of the, ah. the tension. Sexual tension in the room. Was, there we go, was, man. was high. Interesting dude. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. It was good. I enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, useful little nuggets of wisdom mm. for people to delve into. For people to put some pepper and salt on and bit of ketchup yum, if you yum, like yum, it, it maybe a bit of mayo there we go maybe hot sauce yeah but listen i like to mix them all together sometimes oh, so do i a bit of mayo and hot sauce oh uh, so ketchup in there as well ketchup sounds a bit weird but occasionally if it gets all a bit messy on the plate there'll be three but spicy but mayo. i like the mayo because it cools down the heat of the hot sauce do you know what sauce? gets missed out sometimes yeah. mustard mustard gets i love i had loads of mustard at the weekend yeah but it gets, it gets it gets sides like english or french dijon both i, can I love I, lo I love uh english mm. i love french well, you're a very good, good man. Thanks. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, get in touch on our Instagram at Private Podcast. Let us know what you like, dislike, what you want us to do on the podcast next. And thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next Wednesday for our bonus episode. Thank you. Next Wednesday for our bonus episode. Enjoy, have fun. See you later. Ciao, ciao. Bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.